Hey, let me take a moment and mention something that we're going to do next week. Right here, we're going to have baby dedication. So I want to speak to those of you who are parents. Maybe you've never had your child dedicated yet. In our church tradition, we do a baby dedication. A lot of churches um, will do like a, a sprinkling as a means of, of dedication. Our approach is, hey, it's a commitment that a parent or parents are making to raise their kids to know Jesus and love Jesus. And so we're going to have that next week. And so if you've been thinking about, well, hey, I want to get my kids dedicated, I would be honored to do that. Here's what you simply need to do. And this is really important, so don't miss it. Go to victorylakeland.org and then go to events. Scroll down, you'll find events. Baby dedication is on there. And you can register for that. In fact, you would need need to register tomorrow. If you wait past tomorrow, it's going to be too late. Well, we're starting this new series today, questions that I want to ask God. So we're going to be in this series. And then if you can believe it, the follow-up to this series is going to be Palm Sunday, if you can imagine. And then Easter Sunday. And that's going to be a wonderful day. Already doing a lot of work on Easter Sunday. And then the week after Easter Sunday, we're going to have water baptism out in the parking lot. How many of you are glad we're not having water baptism this morning? Huh? Wouldn't that be something to have water baptism? Wouldn't that be fun to watch? It would be the only Sunday I didn't really do water baptism. But that's a whole other story. I love watching it. Now, uh, we're going to talk about questions that... Um, you know, we have for God, and um, all of us have questions. It's just normal. It's just natural. And so each week, uh, to give you some guidance where we're going with this series, we're going to take a prevailing question that a lot of people have. In fact, let me just say this about you. Uh, during this series, it may not be that every single week it's a question that you have that you'd love to ask God. But I can tell you, I really believe uh, that during this series, there's going to be a question that you're going to have and it's going to be like, oh, man, I just, I'm so glad we talked about that. And so we're going to do that each week. I'm incredibly fired up about this series. And I want to just start today by talking about a question that a lot of people have. And it, let me just say this before I reveal the question. If you don't have the question in your mind because you're sort of settled on it, let me encourage you to do something. Take really, really, really good notes so that you can talk this through with people. It may be somebody in your family. It may, be, uh, it may be a friend. It may be somebody that you work with because this is a massive question. It's why I'm starting with this question. And you may not be asking it. You may be good. You may be uh, copacetic. You may be settled. You may be okay. But a lot of people are asking this question and you can help to teach them. So the question that a lot of people are asking that I want to address today is, how can I really know God's will for my life? And we make this way too complicated. It's like, you know, we shroud it in mysterious language. And it's like, wow, it's ominous. And, and we've got to really have like this special insight or be like a super saint in order to understand God's will. And this is what I'm going to tell you right now. By the time we come to the end of the talk, you're going to realize, a lot of you are, that coming to discern God's will is not nearly as complicated as a lot of people want to make it. Uh, it's really not difficult when you really start unpacking it. And that's what I want to do. So if you've got the question, how do I really know? And maybe there's a specific area of your life where you're like asking that. How do I know God's will for my life about this relationship, about this job? 
about this purchase, about this decision, then uh, I don't think I need to ask you to listen up, but listen up really, really well. And then if it's not one of your primary questions that you have, again, take really, really, really good notes so that you can be of help to somebody else. Somebody has written this, success is when you know God's will and you're right in the center of it. Let me say that again. Success is when you know God's will and you're right in the center of God's will. I want you to see with me what this great church leader, the Apostle Paul, great, great veteran uh, church leader had to say about God's will. Look at this verse up on the screen. It's actually three verses. Be very careful then, Paul says, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Now, how many of you know we could do a timeout right there and just, just talk about that the rest of the service? How to be wise and not unwise, but we're not doing that today. He says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are what? Evil. We live in evil days. Therefore, therefore, do not be foolish, but, and read these last few words with me. Everybody, read it with me. Will you help me out? Understand what the Lord's will is. Let's say it again. Understand what the Lord's will is. See, God wants you. God wants me. God wants us to understand what his will is. And you may be thinking, well, you know what, Jeff? I want to understand God's will in a huge way. I'm just not sure how that's possible. I, I, don't, I don't even know. You know, it's just easier said than done. Now, for a lot of people trying to discover God's will for their life, it seems confusing at, uh, you know, at best. It seems for a lot of people impossible. But as we're about to learn, it does not have to be that way at all. So before I mention to you what God's will is, let me share with you what God's will is not. So get ready. Take some really good notes. Get all the scriptures down. You who are watching online, I want you to do the same thing because there's people in your life that you can help with this. Uh, what is God's will? We're going to get to that. But first of all, what is, what is God's will not? And first of all, let me just say this. God's will, you got to be resolutely clear on this. God's will is not a feeling. It is not a feeling. See, the problem listen to this. The problem with trying to connect our feelings to God's will is this. Feelings are often totally unreliable. How many of you know you cannot always trust your feelings? You can't. I can't. Our feelings will at times lead us astray because there's all kinds of things. There's all, there's a litany of things that will influence our feelings. Uh, can I just mention a few? And this is just a few. This is a handful I could mention many. Uh, here are some things that will influence our feelings. What about social media? Do you think that that possesses the power to influence our feelings? You better believe it does. Uh, Netflix can influence our feeling. Tiredness or fatigue can influence our feeling. A book. What about stress? What about friends? Can I just tell you? Pizza can influence your feelings. How many of you know that? But how many of you know you love pizza and that's a gift from God anyhow? You know that, right? So uh, we just can't, I mean, we can't say, well, I feel this way. Therefore, the way that I feel, that is indicative. It's got, no, I, I don't trust my feelings oftentimes to reveal to me what God's will 
is. Here's another thing. Here's another thing that God's will is not. God's will is not, be sure you get this, a formula. It is not a formula. It is not some automated approach where you and I just follow these plans, these steps, this recipe, and somehow instantaneously it's going to reveal to us the results of God's will. And let me say why that's important for us to fundamentally understand that God's will is not our feelings, nor is it a formula, because God's grace and God's will is so much bigger and better than just trying to perfectly, precisely, meticulously follow a set of prescribed steps. See, here's the problem with, uh, with our thinking in that regard. If we think, what's well, a formula? I just do this. I follow it much like I would a recipe. Uh, a a B, C, or one, two, three. If we think that way, then what becomes problematic is this. What if we make a mistake? And how many of you know that as human beings, we are prone to making mistakes? I can only speak for me, but, but what, if you're, what if you're just like, it's a formula and you just do this, 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 and it's going to spit out God's will. Well, that doesn't work that way. If we make a mistake, what does that mean? And a lot of people feel that way. Well, you know, here's what I did. I, I, you know, I was trying to do the right thing, and I made a mistake, and now I'm wondering if God can even use me. Hey, I've blown it in the past. And if you ever have the feeling like, you know what, I... Uh, I just don't see how God could ever use me again. I've made some mistakes in my life. I've made some mistakes in my past. There's just no way whatsoever that God can use me. And let me just tell you what that is. That is absolutely nonsense. If, if you feel that way, then I would encourage you to do a character study of the Bible and look at all the different people and all of the personalities. Look at Abraham. And I'm not going to delve into all of their mistakes because I want to keep us on track. But look at Abraham, the father, the father of our faith, and look at the mistakes that he made in his life. Abraham, what about Moses? Moses, the one who God revealed to him, the Ten Commandments, the one who God says, nobody has seen my face but, but Moses. How many of you know that Moses had an anger problem. If Moses was living today and had the same personality he did at one point in his life, I would encourage Moses to take an anger management class. All right, Moses, what about, uh, what about King David? What about King David not only being responsible for adultery, but also murder? What about Paul, the great apostle Paul, persecuted believers, had them cast into prison before he became a follower of Jesus. The apostle Peter, and on and on and on we could go with people who just made mistakes. And listen, friends, if you and I think that the will of God is just some formula and we do this, 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 and that's going to guarantee, uh, reveal God's will, then it doesn't work that way. So God's will, we need to be clear on this, God's will is not tethered to our feelings, and God, God's will is not as simple as a formula. Let me tell you, however, what God's will is, and this is crucially important. God's will is a fellowship. It's not feelings. It's not a formula, 
but it is a fellowship or a relationship with God. I love this next verse, and this is the great Apostle Paul again. I want you to see what he says here. This is a phenomenal verse. He says, God is faithful who has called you, and you can personalize you, who has called me into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, it's not like just you and I say one day, where we're going to, you know, walk into a relationship with Christ. It's not that way. Long before you and I even have a capacity to make a decision like that, God has already extended his love. God has already sent the Holy Spirit who is drawing us to Jesus. God is the one who calls us into a relationship with him, a fellowship with him. And the more, listen, the more that you and I have fellowship and relationship with Jesus, the clearer God's will is able to become for our life. God's will, listen, God's will is not about rules. God's will is not about regulations. God's will is about a relationship a relationship with Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. See, and this is so important, friends. Jesus does not want to conceal God's will for our lives. Jesus wants to reveal God's word for our lives, God's will for our life. Let let me just say that again. Jesus does not want to conceal God's will. Jesus wants to reveal. And man, anytime I go to rhyming, I know the anointing is not too far behind, but that's a whole nother story. Did you know that there is much more freedom regarding God's will than a lot of people want you to believe? It really is. See, a lot of times we think the will of God is just so narrowly specific that it's so easy to miss. And if I miss it, that's, that's it. And a lot of people want you to believe that way, that there's no freedom in trying to discern God's will. You know that uh, there's not a lot of flexibility. It's like that job and that job only. Can I just tell you in regards to God's will, it's usually not that specific job and that specific job only. A lot of times it is tethered to, it's tethered to our talents and our passions and our fulfillment. So it's not like, it's not like, well, that is it. And a lot of times we just think that even if we've been walking for G- with Jesus for a long, long time. And I believe, and I do this all the time. Uh, I've done it in my lifetime. I, I do it for my family. I pray that God would open the right doors and slam the wrong doors. I, I do all of that. But I'm just saying, it, I don't think, I really, I really don't. And I know there's people in this room who are a lot smarter than me. But I personally, as I've studied the scriptures, I just don't think it's like this is the only job that could be God's will for my life. I think it's bigger than that. I really do. And I think there's freedom and flexibility. And I'll come to this in just a moment. But how many of you know that when God created you, he put a mind, he put a brain in your body to be able to make decisions? It doesn't have to be this job and this job only. It's not like there can only be one school. Now, listen, fundamentally, I know everybody, everybody, everybody wants to go to the University of Georgia. I realize that. Maybe not. But it's not like this, this can only, this is the only a school that can be God's will. Now, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shot some of you, maybe bother some of you. You can't say, uh, I don't think you can say, 
Well, there's only one girl that could ever be the woman of my future, my wife forever and all times. Only one girl fits that bill. Hey, let me tell you what's the problem with that. What if that one girl that you think is the only one gives you a flat out no? Then what does that do to your theory? You're God's will for my life. Oh, no, I'm not. Well, then what does that do? See, I think God provides flexibility. Wave at me if you believe me. If you, lost, if you think I've lost my mind, don't wave at me. But if, if you see, listen, it, what are some things that are important? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're thinking about your future mate, you know what God does care a whole lot about? If you're a follower of Jesus, that they be a follower of Jesus too. That the Bible talks about, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. It's just going to make it tough. If you're thinking about, well, hey, I want to I be married to this person. We're going to spend the rest of our life together. Well, you, you need to know a lot about their faith. And you need to know a lot about their view on things like finances and children and such. You need to know that those are things that really matter. And, and there may be more than one that will fit. And I do think we ought to pray, God, reveal the one, show the one. But it's not just like that is the only girl or the only guy that could ever because if they tell you no, then where do you go from there? Well, it's the vehicle I've got to have. I think we pray about everything. I think we pray about everything. God, that, that must be the vehicle that you want me to have, and only that vehicle. Well, what if you can't afford that vehicle? Then I would suggest to you it's not God's will. But it's a deal. It's a deal, Pastor Jeff. It's a deal. You know what? I used to think that too. How many of you know there's always going to be a deal? There's always a deal. It's not like, this is the only one, and if I don't, I will miss God's will. I will get, uh, some of you are going to have discussions when you get home later today. I can already tell. I see where this is going. It can only be that house. It can only be, listen, there's freedom and choices that flow out of an authentic relationship with Jesus. And I think that just frees us up. It takes the pressure off where things don't have to be cloudy or confusing or bewildering as it relates to the revealing of God's will for our life. So, what is it then that gets in the way of recognizing God's will for our life? If God does give us flexibility and God does give us options, and again, he wants us to function out of wisdom and keeping with his word, which I'll mention at the end of the talk, then what are some of the things that often will get in the way of God's will? And I'm going to give you some things I want you to write down. And again, it may be for you right now, or it may be for you later. It may be for a friend or a family member or a coworker that you're going to share. But uh, there are some attitudes that get in the way of God's will for our life. Let me give you a couple of three. First of all, being fatalistic concerning God's will. It's an attitude that can get in the way of God's will for our life. What is being fatalistic about God's will? What does that actually look like? What does that look like? It's this attitude, even if you haven't connected it with the word that I just used there, this will make perfect sense to you. Uh, when somebody says something like this, well, this, whatever this is, well, this happened, therefore, it must be the will of God. That's fatalistic, uh, being fatalistic in our thinking. Well, this happened, therefore, it must be God's will. Really? I don't think so. I don't. I want you to be really, really, really clear on something I'm about to say. God's will is not 
always done. God's will is not always accomplished. Quite often, it does not happen. But have you ever noticed this? God still gets blamed for it. You with me? Wave at me like this. There's all kinds of times when God's will is not. And you can go back in Scripture when God had a plan for his people. And uh, how many of you know that God didn't want his people Israel when they came out of Exodus? And I'll just give you a, a an example or two. How many of you know that, that God didn't want his people to wander around in the desert for 40 years? That was not God's will. I mean, if any of those Israelites that just, you know, on the edge of the land of promise just said, wow, it took a long time to get here. It must have been God's will for it to take 40 years. It was not God's will for it to take 40 years to get into the promised land. It was because of their disobedience and rebellion. But who gets blamed for it? God gets blamed for it. God gets blamed. It's not his will. It's not what he wanted, but somehow he must be responsible for it. That, my friends, is being fatalistic in our thinking. That will help to stop God's will being revealed in our life. And, and by the way, caveat to that, it is totally unfair to God. Totally unfair to God. Um, are you like me? Do you ever have to bite your lip? Some of you are thinking, I'm doing it right now because I really want you to know what I think about this message. <laughs> Do you ever have to bite your lip? Sometimes I'm standing around and, and uh, I hear people talking and they're going off of something, something bad, 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 bad happened. How many of you will, you, will you cut me a little slack? Wave your hand if you'll cut me a little slack. If you'll cut me some slack, I'll be like totally, 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 totally transparent. Will you cut me some slack? Will you extend some grace? You'll do it? All right. So I've been standing around, and, you know, I know who I am. I know what I do. So that often is, you know, a good motivator for me to keep my mouth shut. But I hear people talking, and they're describing something terribly negative in their life, and then it shifts to this. God did it. God did this, or God allowed it, and I'm thinking to myself, You're just stupid. God had nothing to do with it. How many of you are glad I don't say that? Aren't you glad I don't say that? I am too. Because I want to say, you're just stupid. You made a stupid bonehead decision, and now you want to blame God for your own stupidity. I don't think so. I mean, but it, but it happens. In fact, I did a little research. Uh, if you're in the insurance business, and as my son is and has been for many, many years, this will already be familiar to, do, to you. What are acts of God in regards to insurance? And I did some research. Let me read to you verbatim. An act of God is an accident or event resulting from natural causes, and it could not have been prevented by reasonable foresight or care. Examples of acts of God. Listen to this. You know I'm telling you the truth. Examples of acts of God, flood, earthquake, volcano, hurricane. And you know what I want to say? Why can't acts of God be things like a baby being born or a great marriage or a job promotion or a quick recovery from surgery or an injury? Why do acts of God have to be negative things? Are you with me on this? Have you ever thought about this? Maybe it's just my own crazy mind. But if something good happens to somebody, and you've seen this happen, uh, perhaps you've done it. If something really, really, really good happens in your life, uh, somebody may have this idea of, man, I am lucky. But if something bad happens, it's an act of God. 
Can I say this? Are you listening? Wave at me if you're listening, if you're still with me. Don't blame God for everything that goes wrong in your life. I could just say amen and we could be done right there. I want because I still have more to say. But don't blame God for everything that goes wrong in your life. Refuse to be fatalistic. And you know this already. If you're a parent, you should want your children to eventually grow up and become mature people. How do they do that? They do that by learning how to make good choices. Can I just declare something to you? You are not God's puppet. You are God's child. You're not his puppet, you're his child, and you're given freedom by God to make good choices and right decisions. I want you to check out something that Jesus said. These are the words of Jesus in John 7 and verse 17. Look at these words right here. He said, anyone who wants to do the will of God, and I think that's all of us in this room and watching online, anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely on my own. So we shouldn't be fatalistic about God's will. Well, it happened, therefore it must be God's will. It was bad, must have been an act of God. It was good, I must be lucky. Don't be fatalistic about God's will. Here's another thought. Don't be fearful in regards to God's will. Some people sometimes hear in regards to God's will for their life, they hear the will of God and they just like start shuddering all over. Like the will of God is like a really, really bad thing. You know, they just hear the will of God pertaining to their own life and it just frightens the daylights out of them. But God doesn't want you to be fearful about his will for your life. God doesn't want you to be fearful about praying the prayer that Jesus prayed, Lord, let thy will be done. Let your will be done, God. Please listen, friends. God himself wants what is best for your life. Can I just tell you something? You already know this. You just need me to remind you. God is a lot smarter than you are. And God is a lot smarter than I am. And God knows what is best for our life. And he wants to reveal that to us. Any of you in, in, the, in the building do you remember this old show from years, years, and years ago? Father Knows Best. Raise your hand if you remember that show. Fathers Know I, I Know. I've heard about it. I'm much too young to be, you know, familiar with the show at all. Uh, I've read about it in history books and stuff, but that's a whole different. But Father does know best. Our Heavenly Father does know best. And here's a good thing. And you and I, we get so uptight. We get so frightened about God's will. We ought to just relax in God's will. Here's a verse that I've used before, but I want you to see it again because it really ties into what we're talking about today. I know the plans, God says, that I have for you. They're plans for peace and not disaster. Look at this highlighted phrase. Plans to give you a future that is filled with what? Say it again, with what? With hope, that is God's will. That is God's plan for your life, to give you a future that is filled with hope. So when you hear God's will for your life, can I just tell you something, and perhaps we need clarity on this. If you're worried about God sending you to the backside of somewhere and you're going to be miserable, guess what? God is not going to do that because God wants you to be fulfilled. I think about people that have been sent to the backside of nowhere, far away from family like my uncle and Jeff Dove and others that you've heard of. 
of uh, recently. You know what? That is the center of God's will. And our missionaries, many of them would rather be they're happier there, more fulfilled there than if they were at home. Why? Because they're in the center of God's will. Remember, success is when you know God's will and you're right in the center of God's will. God's will. Let me say it this way. God's will is an expression of God's love. I need to hurry. We should be fatalistic or fearful about God's will, nor should we be frustrated about God's will. Maybe you have convinced yourself that in order to discern God's will, that it's going to be way too complicated or way too confusing or way too challenging. Or maybe that you feel that uh, you had gone after God's will at some point in the past and you, and you missed it. And where do you go from there? Can I tell you, I did that. When I was a teenager, if you had told me when I was a teenager, a young teenager, that I would be doing what I am doing right now, I would have looked at you like you had lost your mind because I thought it was business and I was leaning toward business and I was planning toward business. And I went in that path. I went in that direction initially. And then I came to the realization, no, you know, being a pastor and uh, doing what I do is what God wanted me to do. And it wasn't like Jeff said, or, or God said, hey, Jeff, here's, here's the deal. You missed it. You started out on a path of business. You've missed it. So I guess I'm done with you. There's going to be no second chances. I'm glad it wasn't that way because I love Jesus. I loved him with all my heart. And I was devoted to him. And making movement toward business in my life was at that time what I really, really sensed that God wanted me to do. But then when God came and interrupted that, and, and I didn't like reluctantly, uh, like, okay, well, I really wanted to go in business, but, uh, you know, I guess I'll go into ministry and be miserable the rest of my life. It wasn't that at all. For me, it was, it was an issue that's a whole different side note of just feeling like, you know, Am I even capable? Am I even worthy? Can I even do it? And, uh, you know, I felt incapable and unworthy and all of those things. And yet over time came to realize, yeah, warts and all, this is what God wanted me to do. But God didn't say, well, Jeff, you missed it early on, so I'm done with you. Not at all. Romans 8, 28. I love this verse. Look at it. Be sure you get it down. It will help somebody later. We know that in all things, in all things, not some things, in all things, God works for good with those who love him, those whom he has called according to his purpose. And it goes back to relationship. It's not rules. It's not regulations. It's about a relationship and when we're in an authentic relationship with Jesus, we're just going after Jesus. And sometimes we're going to miss it because we all do. And we're going to all make mistakes because we all do. But God doesn't say, I'm done with you. I'm, I'm washing my hands of you. So in regards to God's will, it shouldn't be fatalism like it just happened. Therefore, it must be God's will. God's will is always done. God's will is not always done. Or, you know, I'm fearful about God's will. I'm afraid God's going to ask me to do something I really don't want to do. And I'm going to be miserable the rest of my life. No, that gets in the way of God's will. Or I'm frustrated because I tried and I missed it. Or it seems too complex for me. It's not fatalism and it's not fear and it's not frustration. Instead, the right attitude toward finding God's will for your life is this. It's faith. It's faith. Please listen to this. 
If God spelled out every detail of your life and your future, or he wrote it up in the sky on clouds, then you know how much faith that would require of you or me? Zero. I've got some news from you. God is not sending you an email this week. Stop looking for it. He's not. And the reason he's not, he wants you to grow. And he wants you to have faith. And both growth and faith are God's will for your life and for mine. Perhaps it would be easier if God just said, all right, here's my will, one, two, three, four, five, A, B, C, D. You just do this, this, this. But again, it's not a formula. It's not an automated approach. God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask of you to take a step of faith. And that's what faith is. Faith is a step that we take in in the direction that we sense is God's plan for our life. Let me say that again. Faith is a step that we take in the direction of what we sense is God's will for our lives. I love this quote. There's an old saying for travelers, a car's headlights only shine for 15 feet, but that 15 feet will get you all the way home. God's not going to show you the end product because that would require no faith commitment. What God will do is he'll allow us to see a little bit ahead and we take a step of faith and it reveals like the headlights on the car a little bit more and we take another step of faith. And then we little by little, we get to that point and we're like, wow, here I am in the center of God's will for my life. I know it and I'm in the center of it. And that's what God's plan for our life is. He's a good God and he's got good plans. Remember what Jeremiah said as the spokesperson for God, that God wants us to have a future that is filled with hope. What is God's will for your life? Take a breath. Relax. It's not as complicated as a lot of people want you to believe. Well, you know, where do you get started? And I want to just speak to all of you who are not yet in a relationship with Jesus. You get started right there with a relationship. Because how can you know God's will if you're not in relationship with God's Son? How do we know? I mean, this is how we can absolutely know God's will. Look on the screen. Let me share with you a couple of verses right here. 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4 says this. This is good, and it pleases God. In other words, it's God's will. It pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be what? God wants everyone. That's God's will. That's God's will for your life. I'm not sure it's God's will for me to be saved. It is God's will for you to be saved. Well, I want to pray for my, I want to pray for my parents. I want to pray for my spouse. I want to pray for my kids. Uh, I want to pray. I'm believing that it is God's will that they would be, hey, let me go ahead and settle that for you. It is God's will that they be saved. You don't have to pray. Is it or is it not? It's always God's will. Look at this next verse. I love this verse. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, God wants what? Everyone to turn from sin and no one to be lost. So where do you get started? We get started in a real relationship with Jesus. 
Now let me leave you with this final thought. Here's the other thing we've got to do. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, it's so important. And some of you, some of you, this is your very next step. You're already in a relationship with Jesus. But this is something you're going to have to start taking really, really seriously in your life. You're going to have to start putting God's word into your heart and your mind. You're going to have to start, and maybe you're sporadic, hit and miss, but you're going, to have to, you're going to have to be really conscious and really disciplined in regards to that because, and let me just say it this way, and I'm out of time, but I want to just say it this way. To know God's word is to know God's will. To know God's word is to know God's will. Do you know most every decision, not every, but most every decision that you'll ever have to make in your life concerning God's will is going to be revealed to us in his word. Because you're going to come to a crossroads in your life, and you're going to be, well, I can make this decision or that decision. Which decision would God's word say that I should make? What decision would please the heart of God? And to know God's will is to know God's word. To know God's word is to know God's will. I'll leave you with one last word. You can go ahead and stand. And while you're standing, uh, I want you to read this verse with me. Everybody, those of you that are watching online, I want you to read it out loud. You ready? Let's all read it together. Your word is a lamp to guide me and a light for my path. What is God's word? It's a lamp and a light. What is God's word? It is a lamp and a light. So if you're not yet in relationship with Jesus, that's God's will for your life that you would be in relationship with Jesus. If you are in relationship with Jesus, it is God's will that you would feed your mind and your heart with God's word because God's word will reveal God's will. His word reveals his will. I'm so glad you've come today. Listen, I can't wait for you to get back next week. If you know anybody that you feel that they may have some misconceptions or misunderstanding as to who God really is, I want you to bring them with you next week. I've been working really, really hard on that talk already. And a lot of you, a lot of you are going to have your eyes open next week. And you're going to learn things about God that you've never known before. And you're going to see it and we'll see it right in God's word. If you're not in a relationship with Jesus, I want you, everybody, at home, right here in this building, I want you to just bow your head right now, everybody. And if you're not in relationship with Jesus, just say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. God, you are calling me into a relationship with your son. Holy Spirit, you are drawing me into a relationship with Jesus. Jesus, come into my life. I pray that you would lead me and that you would guide me. If you're already a follower of Jesus, say, Jesus, I want to get into your word. God, I want to know your word. Because when I know your word, it's going to help me to better understand your will. God, help me to not be sporadic. Help me to be disciplined. Help me to get into your word, God. I pray that you would allow your word to speak to us, reveal to us your will. You're such a great and a mighty God, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Hey, we've got time for one more song. We've not even been in here an hour yet. We're going to do one more song, and I want you to worship God today like you really, really mean it. And if you're new to our church, I'll meet you out at Guest Central. I love you, everybody. I'll see you back here next Sunday. Love you.